Hello and welcome to another edition of Open All Eyes, the QPR podcast. I'm joined tonight by Simon Hall and Niall Rogers. <laughs> I always happen. I didn't do anything about guitars now, so I hope you appreciate it this time. We're going to treat you as Niall Rogers, the famous Open All Eyes contributor, who is also a QPR fan. Yeah, I'm born like in Northern I'm, Ireland. I'm on the way up and he's on the way down, so I figure we're going to meet at some point. Yeah, yeah, live that dream, mate. Live that dream. Also from Northern Ireland, you're also from Northern Ireland as well now, so we might be accused of being biased towards Northern Irish players again. And Simon is back after his little break. How are you, Simon? Wonderful, mate. Wonderful. Living the dream. Looking forward to looking forward to seeing how many other adjectives I can use for QPR this season 23-24. Excellent. Now we're gonna do a strange way of doing the podcast this week. We're gonna work backwards. We're going to start where we finished last week, which is basically talking about the second of well, the leaving second department of Chris Ramsey, if it was good or bad. And then blow and behold, the next day it all goes a bit mad. And we get a new CEO. They talk about you know this plan that we were sticking to, that you know, they have a plan, they have a vision. Well, they'd binned it. And now we've been it turns out we've been ordered it for a year. The new guys come in. And um, basically said, you're all rubbish, by the looks of it. And um, toss cutting and Simon, before I go to Nal, who always knows more of these things than I do, is it a white flag to League One? Um, I think in saying that we weren't going to be signing anyone in League um, in January, one doesn't come as a massive surprise from the sort of mood music that we've had. And I think it's indicative of financial fair play and the fact that these sponsorship deals weren't really so we could sign a new strike, but actually to make sure that we were we were going underneath, as it were. So clearly we've been sailing really, really close to the wind. Um, yeah, I think, I think, to be honest, you look at performances, I think we've all said that if we were going to stay up, we would need some additions. And I know we'll talk about Watford, but for all the improvements... All of the star in that we're still finding we're still finding new and different creative ways to end up losing matches, and it doesn't really matter what we do. So, look, it's going to be an it's going to be an interesting one because Nori, for me, I listened to the interview. First of all, it's first of all it's a chief executive. I'm old enough to be his dad, which I think must be a which I think must be a first, but. When I listened to the interview, he didn't really sound like anyone who had any chief executive experience of running any sort of business. I think if we were looking for someone who was going to be head of recruitment or sort of a technical director, I think he would he would have been absolutely brilliant for the role, particularly looking at the other things Retecto do. And I can't help but have this little bit of concern that we've gone very left field with this appointment, but the, the man hasn't got any experience really of being a chief executive officer and particularly for a club like ours who've been really dysfunctional very difficult to manage clearly things have been very toxic between board board level and middle management level it's it's a really tricky one and 
look, we've gone out, we've gone out there with it, but I don't know whether it's because I've been completely worn down by the whole thing over the last two years. It's something where I've heard, we've heard all of this stuff before. It sounds lovely. I have absolutely no faith that will get put into action. And with that lovely little note, over to you now. Uh, well, I don't. I am struggling to figure out what to make of it. To be honest with you, I think you know the sensible uh, one. <laughs> a kind of you know what, what, what was he? He was you know a managing partner or whatever at, at Retexo, data analytics. He was basically brought into the club by it seems Richard Riley. It seems like he was brought in to kind of do a bit of a drains up. What's wrong? What do we need to do? What can we change? What can we improve? He's been credited with bringing in director of performance. What was it? Ben Williams, isn't it? And mm-hmm. they actually gave him credit for Cifuentes as well, which is quite outstanding considering there were rumours that we'd been interviewing him over six months ago. Um your mind up. Yeah. So... It's a strange one. He's very young. I mean, knowing what I was like at 26, I, I, you wouldn't want to put me in charge of making a cup of tea at 26, let alone a football club. Um, it's um, it's bizarre. And it seems to be a very kind of, you know, is this Richard Riley actually starting to put his stamp on things? Is he starting to actually become more of, an interested shareholder? Is it a route to some more of his friends joining? I mean, we know the club has been looking for additional investment. So is it kind of a route to that? He's got contacts, obviously, in that kind of sphere. He's um, he, he's looked upon very favourably, weirdly. You, all, all the articles about him are kind of very positive. They're very, mm. you know... I, I guess talking about this, you know, fresh, bright young mind and this these great ideas and this new approach to analytics, very moneyball kind of sounding sort of stuff. Um, I even found a quote in one article about him being referred to as the Lionel Messi of the football business world because of his precociousness at a conference that he attended um, last year. Wow. So, you know, have we actually got someone who's really good? Or is it someone who talks the talk and is a bit of a Mick Beale, a bit of a kind of like, look at my PowerPoint, look at my presentation, aren't I fantastic? And then when given any sort of position of authority or responsibility, doesn't know what to do. So it's kind of, you know, suck it and see, I guess, but we've made the decision. Let's hope it's good. Let's hope it works. The, the trouble I think, and what do I know about these things? Like the rest of us, we only look from the outside, inside. So rarely, certainly. We, and we said this, Simon, how long have we said this in the podcast? He's not here just to make up the numbers. He was obviously here to look, to get a feel of the place. It's always sometimes people will always do these things and they'll talk to everyone who knows. It won't be the people that we know of, but people beneath that, the person that works in the canteen, the person who works even to clean up, what's this person like? They get the feel of it. Um, and I guess it was inevitable that 
with looking at relegation, the youth team was going to take a, a hit and the recruitment had to be changed. I don't think anyone can argue with that. Our recruitment over the last few years has been dreadful. Um, the revolving door and the multipliers, and they keep saying, yeah, we've got a plan. Well, you haven't, because you keep sacking everyone and bringing them in and not reviewing contracts. And the fact that so many players are out of a deal, it's a mess. But like you, I'm looking at it thinking, well, if he was to come in and do what your man Matthew did at, at um, Brentford, then I would get it. But to be CEO head and DOF, could be interested at that age. Very Richard Thompson-esque, for those who don't remember. Richard Thompson came in because Daddy wanted him to play with something. And, um, you know, he um, he sold all our players and we could have won things. And people look back at Richard Thompson and say they were Halcyon Dez because they got a hell of a lot worse after that. So who the hell knows? He's The one thing that worries me, um, and I'm just going to come back to you now quickly before we go back to Simon, is this lack of a digital footprint on Riley. And But we know he owns a club of Ruben in the States, doesn't he, in L.A.? He's part of that setup, isn't he? Or have I just made that no, up? No, no, no. He's part of so it's a team in um... Cincinnati. Cincinnati, that's it. Yeah, you're right. All right. So, I mean, yeah. I knew, I knew it was in the States, but I wasn't sure if it was the same one as Ruben. <laughs> um, it's big land, you know. Different time things and everything. So what do we know about him now, business-wise? Well, that's it. Very little. It seems that he made a bit of money from selling solar panels. Um... There's probably more to it than that, I imagine. So he's got um, energy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got some energy. Um, I mean, you know, they they talk about. I think when he was first introduced, they mentioned about this connection with the with this team. But you know, bugger if I've ever found anything on their websites or in their details referring to him. But I'm sure. I mean, you know, he's he's obviously put his money where his mouth is. He's bought a chunk of shares to start with. I think it was from memory about 10 million pounds that he's put in um to to kind of join the club and he's clearly looking at i mean it hasn't been it's not official it's not company's house or anything but from what i've been reading he has bought some of tony fernandez's shares as well so he's obviously in it for um more than just kind of having his name in lights or telling everyone he owns QPR, whatever cash that might bring to you. <laughs> um, but uh, it seems, yeah, it, it does seem, it does seem that after kind of what's it been a year or so, year and a bit that he's been involved, it does seem he's getting a bit more involved now. It does seem, this seems like a very him appointment. It seems like a very kind of like, he was the one that bought in Retech, so from what I understand, and it was him that wanted to do this data-driven review of the club and looking at how things were working and what wasn't working. And, you know, we've obviously invested a lot of money in the training ground, in the academy, and I guess they want it to start kind of showing a return and actually wiping his face, so... That could take a long, long, long time. Um, uh, last week was we found out with um, Steve on, and he was, you know, three million quid in eight years. Simon um, return is shocking for a club of our size in the championship. You can't, you can't function yeah, on that, can you? No, absolutely. Although interestingly, for the first few years, um, probably up until twenty twenty one and Eze, um, you could actually argue we hadn't been doing too badly with it because. If you have a look in the past, you had Darnell Furlong came and he went for two million. 
And we were getting one player a season who would generally go for reasonably big money. So Alex Smithies started at Huddersfield, 1.25, went for 4 million. Um, Luke Freeman, obviously, was a real success story, 300 grand going for 6 million. And we were doing that, and we were doing that all the time. And we were doing that every season well. And then, obviously, we thought we hit the jackpot with Eze. And... Yeah, since since then there there can be no defence for what for what has happened and what's gone on. And for the last two or three years and for the last two or three years, um, whilst we criticise the development squad, I actually would argue it's actually our recruitment of the um the older, more experienced players who have who have cost us a bit because young and experienced players can come in where the environment is really positive, they can actually thrive there. Whereas I think we all know over the last year and a bit, it's been it's been really toxic. And to rely on the likes of your Sinclair Armstrong's Ryan Colley in that environment is is borderline criminal, to be honest. Because yeah, I think if you add Armstrong in a winning team in a confident team, I think he would thrive he would thrive a lot, lot more. Or indeed he might well go on a loan to, to League One. I think there's a couple of things going back to your point, though, which are concerning me with regard to this. First of all, Ritexo were also there to try and get a director of football. And as it stands at the moment, we've had about six months of that. And one, we don't know who the director of football is unless we're assuming Norrie's going to come in and do that. And to be honest, with the experience he's got in analytics, that might that might help him a lot, lot more. Um, but... It almost seems like uh, we're marking our own homework here. The Texas have found a problem. Fine, we'll stick him in. And the second problem we've got with this whole notion of analytics is our QPR doing this normal thing of, oh, we can see a bit of a buzzword. Brighton have done well with analytics. Brentford have done well with analytics. Um, not allowing for the fact that Bloom and Benham have got that extra power of working in the gambling industry and they've got stats that other teams could dream of. Is it just one of these things of, oh, some other people find it cool, so we're at QPR, we've got to do it perhaps three years later. No one no, no one knows at the moment. And I think, as I say, because of what we've seen over the last few years, I think people have got every right to be sceptical that it's going to be, be a success. I'd love to be someone who'd go, oh, yeah, no, I'm looking forward to that, seeing how it works. But let's be honest about it, these last two, three years of sort of knocks any sort of faith and any sort of confidence away so that it is this world weary, yeah, yeah, we've heard it all before, yada, yada, yada. And it's, yeah, they're my, they're my other concerns with it as well. And look, I hope it works. I hope that it is a brave new direction. But as I say, I do have a lot of concerns that it's just some sort of like new, newfangled, trendy thing that they hope is going to work and we don't have the infrastructure to do it. I guess um, the other way to look at it is that everything else thus far hasn't really worked. We've got to try something different. We have to do something different and we have to move forward in a new direction again. Um, so sticking to plans isn't a good thing for QPR. We don't really stick at them very well. But the only thing I'm, I am worried about is that I think that when you come in as a new CEO, there's honesty and there's saying, guys, if you want players, I'm not your man just yet. Um, yeah, that's that, that, that. There's no silver flood for this, but there's no there's no hope. Um, and I think that that that's not what people wanted to hear. They want to see like we're gonna we're gonna try our best, negotiate. Um, we're gonna try and move a few, do a few. Um, 
Because let's face it, until we sell anyone, we can't bring anyone in. We know that. We're not stupid. And no one's going to buy players from a team second from bottom that's only won two home games all season. That's, you know, again, I kind of know. It. Now, the thing is, you look at it on the base of it, Nori comes in, and then we have Watford. And we played well first half. We did we did everything right. We And then we... I mean, I know they were t- people will say, oh, them two shots were brilliant. Oh, they're amazing. But they could have built a house for that room. And, you know, you, you have a Livermore score two belters against you. I don't know. Well, I came out of it deflated because, like Simon said earlier, it just we just find new ways of trying, blowing hard and trying our best and then just shoot ourselves on both feet. Am I being harsh as usual? Am I expecting too much? Or did we expect to see a rejuvenated Rangers because of the new CEO? <laughs> no, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure the boardroom should be having that much influence on the team. <laughs> if you, I mean, if you believe think, what you read, I do. Th- I do think. Yeah, you know, it's refreshing. He's come in. He's a young, energetic interview that he did. He's, um, you know, he's he's sort of come out with some home truths which I think everyone kind of understood but you know he's confirmed it but no I mean I think (sighs) that game on Sunday I mean uh, for a start 12pm that can fuck right off I mean it was horrific (laughs) it wasn't right was it shocking that was just that was just horrific there's there's no need for that there's no need for I mean, it just it just messes up your entire day, doesn't it? It's you know you've got to, you know, you're kind of leaving the house three hours before you normally do, and then you know you can't have a drink. You're turning up stone cold sober, and then you have to watch QPR as well. <laughs> it's, it's um no, I mean I think I think you're right. The first half was good in that we created chances, we created opportunities, which we haven't been doing before. I mean, obviously, mm-hmm. you know, you complain, we haven't scored, we don't have the strikers, but then, you know, we haven't even created the opportunities for them to score previously. I think at least on Sunday, we created the opportunities, but then we entirely fucked off the whole concept of putting the ball in the net. Um, the one that we did score was... You know, I think most people would struggle to miss. It was on a plate, wasn't it? Um, I mean, I think positives, we had a lot of shots. 16 shots, I think it was. Positives, we created all that opportunity for those 16 shots. I mean, a couple of them was Sinclair on his own, just absolutely beasting their defence. You know, there there is a lot of work to do with him. I think he could have done with last season and this season being somewhere where it was a bit easier for him to apply his trade, a bit easier for him to get the confidence and to get the skills and the knowledge. I think there's a lot of pressure on him here, which isn't probably that healthy. Um, He kind of, at the end of every game, he looks absolutely spent physically and emotionally. And I don't think that's sustainable in any way. Um, you know, we're hurting him and he has the potential to be really, really good but um, I think we're hurting him I think also the other positive is we didn't concede from a corner <laughs> <laughs> which, which was a worry because you spent all week saying 
Well, you know, Marty and that. Well, we've stopped the goals from outside the box. We've, we've stopped giving away goals like that. And it's just going to work at the set pieces. It's like, guess what? Yeah. Um, Simon, how do you see it? I mean, to be fair, Watford were one of the few sides who took set pieces almost as badly as we did. It was a competition. It was essentially a competition as to who could who could get a ball further without it bouncing before hitting the first man. So, yeah, they, that I don't know whether to judge. I don't know whether how we judge that. And to be fair, um, that's probably used to what we're defending when um, Kenneth Powell and that are taking corners at a training ground. Um, I actually came away quite quite deflated by it because. I looked away from it and I was deflated after Cardiff because I knew they hadn't done their best and they ended up losing. But I was deflated for a different reason on Sunday because I think, to be honest, I can't see us playing that much better. I can't see us playing that much better against a side and creating the chances we got. And as I say, I think it was the first time in ages we got, I think it was an expected goals of 1.5. We never do that. It's normally about 0.9. And even then, even then, we still didn't manage to win. And indeed, we still didn't manage to get a point. And what that must do to some of the players as well, who, yeah, for all, have deservedly got quite a lot of a coating, but for them to then go in and go, yeah, do you know what? We actually, well, most of them ended up doing their best there and still not and still not winning. I mean, what's that gonna what's that gonna do for them with two crucial games coming up? Um <clears throat> certainly agree with the positive about Armstrong, but it was a bit of a cure at egg performance in that I don't think I've seen someone threaten someone so or threaten a defence so much as he did and energy and so on was there. But you've got to be taking at least one of those three chances, the header and the two one-on-ones even, even created himself. And it was quite telling with the third, third one that, Willock played the ball in it. That was about the only decent thing Willock did. But Sinclair, Sinclair actually stopped and moved away. He moved towards the corner flag and then he decided to make that run. And if he'd have actually sort of run onto it, I think I'd be very confident he'd be ended up scoring that. Um, other frustrating elements of it, particularly towards the end of the second half where we're talking about service for strikers, some of the things that Paul Smith did were were good. There was one, I think it was the first cross he ever hit, then he hit an absolutely brilliant ball in to about nine, ten yards out. An absolute dream for any striker. But there were no strikers within about five, ten yards of it. And it's that it's that real sense of that real sense of frustration that we were having there. The other the other thing I do want to talk about is um defensive midfielders field why? Why? Why get a booking after four minutes for a stupid shirt pull? Because it completely and utterly renders him ineffective for the next eighty-five minutes. Colback obviously comes back, and yeah, why does he need? Yes, it was a yellow, but why the hell does he need to go in and trip like that? I mean, for a lot of other referees, the way he went in there and ended up sort of booting him halfway over the Stan Bowl stand, he could well have been. He could well have been sent off there, and this is meant to be one of our culture guardians as it were and it's a man who seems to spend half of his time spends half of his time trying to get himself booked and sent off and I think that was one of the reasons why particularly we weren't able to press as well because essentially you're, you're pretty much neutralising your two defensive midfielders because you're, you're doing stupid bookings 
They've got mm. to get away. They've got to get away from that, and we've got to be smarter. And as I say, whilst we can say, yeah, unlucky, 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 it's not unlucky if we don't take our chances, and this has been going on too long. So, yeah, I, I was quite deflated at the end of it because, again, it was we've tried our best and our best isn't good enough. The trouble life with a book, and especially the callback one, I just I, it was nonsensical. Middle of the park, players going nowhere, and I'm thinking, oh, maybe he wants Saturday off. Um, <laughs> could not get my head around it. Can I say in Colback's defence, he did need to do the foul because Clark Saltwood completely exposed it. The one thing that I do have a problem with was all he needs to do is a little tug or a little trip, not, not as I say, trying to blast him halfway out of... It wasn't, that much, to it wasn't that much different to his first sending off, was it? Absolutely. I mean, I'll be honest with you, I, I thought he, he could have tried winning the ball. He could have tried just... Um, some are different. I mean, yeah, Salter, but then Salter looked a little bit half fit on, on Sunday for some reason as well. But I don't know. I just felt it was unnecessary in that respect. To give us, the, the field booking was ridiculously dumb. As you say, then they're both on yellow, so this new word of high press is redundant. But more, you know, but also when I think the subs, when you have Willock in that sort of mindset and then you have the Zell on, you're kind of like thinking, you know, you're playing with 10 men when each of them are on the pitch sometimes and Smith comes on and did more in five minutes than Willock. And it's, I find that depressing because I, you know, like everyone else, we want Willock to step up to, to sort of like, yeah, we know you want to leave. We know you want to get a move. But is there any chance you can get us out of the shit while promoting yourself at the same time and put yourself in the shop window and take this out of harm's way? And it, I don't know what it's going to take. Everyone said, oh, it was, it was Critchley, it was Ainsworth. Well, they've gone now. Marty's come in and they showed fear for him, but he's still we're still not getting the best out of him. I don't know. I think well the managers rightly have taken a lot of criticism. Some of the players again need to look themselves. I mean, there was a bit when Cher missed that shot in the first half and everyone's going, Oh, that you should I was like, Well, where was Dykes? You know, what, what, what you know, it's all right having to go with Cher for missing it. But you know, and I watched Dykes in the second half. He's he's more like an attacking midfielder. I, I don't understand why. You mentioned that Paul Smith cross. You know, why are we not reading that? You know, because Watford weren't that I don't care what anyone says, he weren't that good. Um, it was certainly different to what I thought it was going to be. They were, I thought the, the day now, what you thought, Watford were a very beatable team. And we might look at that game as a bit of a missed opportunity. I don't know. My, again, I'm scared of being harsh because I want to come on here and say, oh, it's just referees, it's all luck. But it's not... We kind of are where we are because we're just not very good. Yeah, I do. I do kind of walk away so often thinking like they weren't that great, and with Watford it was similar. Like you know, what 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 was there to be scared of? What what was so mm. you know what's so great about them? I think it's interesting. You bring up about Willock. You have to kind of wonder like where where the fuck does he think he's going? Like what who does he think is going to want him? You know, he spent two years basically kind of trying to avoid the ball when he's on the pitch. And, you know, he has, we've had, I think in the last, what, five or six games, we've had probably 90 minutes of him actually running and trying in like five games. It's It seems, you know, he seems to blow so hot and cold. Maybe that's where the new CEO can come in. Maybe the new CEO is going to give him, in his director of football hat, Give him the contract he wants. Who knows? And that will suddenly turn him around. But 
Yeah, the whole thing just seems weird. And then, yeah, Jay, Jay Clark's Alts Fitness as well. And you have to think, okay, well, what's our what's our director of performance doing? You, you look at the whole team over the 90 minutes, we definitely fade against Bournemouth. We were definitely fading in the last 20 minutes. There was, you know, we weren't able to play like we were for 90 minutes. We're halfway through the season. Like, surely mm. we should be at, you know, everyone should be at that stage where they can play 90 minutes of football but we just we just as a team we don't seem to be there and it shows up when when smith comes on he absolutely was the most energetic um enthusiastic person on the pitch and mm. paid dividends and then again with dykes with the goal dykes was you could argue in the wrong place. The the cross got a massive deflection. It was going much more towards the edge of the six yard box, and Dykes was would have been ahead of it. So, you know, you can kind of I don't know. It just it, there just seems to be so much that just isn't fitting together, and we're over halfway through the season. And you would have thought this is the sort of thing, you know, these are the sort of simple things that we should be doing if we want to get out of where we are. I'm going to be quite... Is, sorry. sorry, Paul. I'm going to be quite honest here. I think I think anyone who's... And none of us here are doing that, but anyone who's saying, oh, it's a little tweak of a formation, this, or if we maybe stuck someone in attacking midfield or anything like that, I think if I'm, if I'm being quite honest and the evidence of the last two years is clear... I think I think it's next to impossible to do that with this group. And to be honest, I think we said it last time. There's about 13, 14 who are going to be who are going to be out of contract in the summer. And to be honest, I don't think we'd have a problem if about eighty to ninety percent of those end up going. And I don't think we should be scared of that either. Um, my my obvious concern for some of those players is whether and now hit the nail on the head with Willock, and we've been saying it for ages. Where the elder these people think they're going to end up going. You look at um, Amos, you look at Shadipo, you look at Johansson, who were released last season. None of them have clubs. We're now in a we're now in an industry now, particularly in 2020-24, where there is this proliferation of footballers and people people can't afford them. And it's actually going to be the ones that actually try hard and and show a positive attitude. And Critchley said it last season, didn't he? Other clubs in the Championship talk and they know the sort of players who are mentally fragile and that sort of thing. And that is going to be, that's going to be a big shock for those at the end of the season. And it's, yeah. yeah. Can you see, can you see many of the players being released going to Championship clubs or anything like that? Absolutely I think, no. I mean, I think, I still say, I don't think be cute about us. I think Don is a decent all-style fashion centre-half who will happily block and put his, his hands in line. Give him a football on his feet to play out from the fence, you might as well just kick it in the net. Uh, it, it's, he's not that sort of player. Um, so if we're going to go for that style, then Clark Salt is a much better option, as is Cook, because they're better with their feet. Um, Field, I would sign at a heartbeat. Sinclair, I would re-sign. I'm not sure, judging by Willock, it's very good to trigger these contract extensions when, if a player maybe wants to go, it might be something they might have to look at. Apart from that, I'm kind of, I don't know, just, yeah. I'll, 
And it's sad, isn't it? Because you you want to love players. It's, it's, and I'm sure they're all decent in their own little way. But Smith puts everyone in a really bad situation because he runs, he tries, and he still gets slagged off at times. People around me slag him off all the time. And at least he's trying, you know. Whereas with, I, I read recently, now, listen, this could be complete shite. It probably is. Sell Digger after Dykes. Buy him. You know, if, if that's the case, buy him. Take him. Let, let him have his, his time in Scotland before the Euros. It's because I don't think he's going to bring anything to the party for QPR as in a survival hopes, that's for sure. If I can just jump in on that, I think this is a typical sort of press story, which was Dykes was interviewed and said, if Brendan Rodgers wants me, I'd be interested to go to Celtic. Now, there's a couple of issues there, obviously. In the, and, and, the, and the first one in the main is that first sentence of if Brendan Rodgers wants me. Yes. So it's one of those, it's one of those where yeah, they've just taken a quote and basically then said, yeah, yeah, fine, he wants to go to Celtic. Who would they do? But no, I, I, I think it's fair to say that, that as you rightly described, all is complete BS. But it's sad because I would like him to turn around and now maybe it's just me being stupid again and say, look, I've got a job to do here at Rangers. We've got to get out of the shit. We've got to get, I've, we've got to stay up. That's far more important than anything. And if I was a future buyer, I think this lad plays for the team, not himself. Not, do you know what? We're in the mire. We're in the shit. If Salty come knocking, that'll be great. But the team needs to go. To, the club comes first and I've got a job to do at QPR, which I'm not doing. Harsh now or true? No, I think no, I think it's spot on. I mean, it's it's almost like a culture that's there already, isn't it? You know, as soon as McBeal went somewhere else, it was kind of like, well, it's fine to do that. It's fine to kind of, you know, treat this as, you know, a, a path to somewhere else. This isn't where you're going to stay. This isn't what you want to be doing. And it's mm. kind of, and that's that's been part of the malaise over the last few years, has been that the board, Les, I think, came out and said about how, you know, we want to be somewhere that, you know, buys people cheap, sells them on for more. This is a pathway to bigger and better things. And what, what does that do? It means that all of a sudden you're not valued as, as a place to be. You're not valued as a club. You're not valued as, you know, for what you offer. And I think as soon as you're, as soon as you're kind of espousing that, logic you're you're immediately undermining um everything that you stand for and everything that the fans stand for and everything that the club should stand for but before Simon comes in on that i i have no problem you see i'm let's face it lads we're all on the wrong side of 30 and i'm not just talking about our waist um that was quite good for me sorry oh, no that's a good one yeah yeah um <laughs> We've always done that, and I don't mind that. I don't mind if we have to, the players play to the skin to get the next move. You know, if we if we come in like a, an Andy Sinton and hit the ground running and get a move, or Darren Peacock and God who's shown me age, even to be fair, the, the man who you just mentioned, Les Ferdinand, I got no problem with that. But this well, lot seems say, to you're think they're about gonna... adding value, though. You're talking about you know, yes, the way the way the way that we've sold it, it seems to be like, well, this is just a transition. You can hang out here for a couple of years and then off you fuck. It's you know, look at oh, that's fair, yeah. Look at you know, look at the players that have gone who have just run down contracts, who have just you know, literally hung around until they can get a bit of a payday. It's well, look how many we've paid off now. I mean, yeah, that's players, Macaulay, Bourne, Washington, um. 
thrice loads of them that we've paired off. Leisner, you know, there's there's, mm. there's a load of them, and we and we just think to ourselves that that flies in the face of everything you stand for. And then the other extreme, you've got Willock, who just doesn't want to be here or doesn't see. And people jump at me. I've had people tell me, and I I don't mind this, and everyone's got an entitled to opinion. Oh, Willock was damaged by Ainsworth. Willock was was like that with Critchley. He was like that long before Ainsworth. You can blame Ainsworth for a lot of things, and he certainly has got a lot to play in what we are now. But with Willock and that and Richards, it's just the the wrong kind of... Well, certainly with Richards, as we talk about every week, and you know, if he doesn't turn up for an FA Cup match... But surely somebody, Simon, would have said to QPR, that lad's a wee bit of trouble if you do a wee bit of research. You know what I mean? Why did we think that we could be the one to change him when we weren't in that position? Well, again, it goes back to what I think we said a couple of weeks ago. Les, by all accounts, Les Ferdinand said, under no circumstances, bring him back to W12. And again, it's another one where he's turned out to be right, but he didn't push it far. He didn't push it hard enough. Um, mm. By all accounts, Tony Richards was a was a Mick Beale signing, and again, it goes back to this notion of it shouldn't be a situation where manager wants manager gets. And, to be honest, mate, I'm sick and tired of talking about Taylor Richards. He's we do it every we do it every bloody no, you're week. Right. It's exactly, it's exactly the same sort of thing. We know we know there's issues. We know there's we know there's problems. We know the blokes. We know the blokes not there. It's it's almost like we might as well we might as well not bother. And I don't mean that in a rude way, Paul. But no, 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 it's, at all. It's, just, it's just frustrating talking about someone who is is someone who we've spaffed a lot of our budget and it's quite a minuscule budget over and he's essentially he's essentially not there. I think going back back to it though, where we talk about those sorts of people, the one the one thing that potentially might be a positive out of this chief exec and um sequences is that by all accounts there is some sort of link, although I totally take the point that he was going for the job at the same time as um, um, Mick Beale was. So, again, this whole notion of, oh, we've discovered him, well, really? Not really. As I say, we did this about 18 months ago. But I think looking at sequences, there there must surely be a concern for all, for all the results aren't massively improving. I think anyone with eyes can see what he's actually done with us. And anyone with eyes can actually see that performances have improved. And you can tell he's getting quite frustrated as well with some of what he's seeing, some of the fact that they can't follow basic instructions. And the one positive for us, regardless, is Sequentes does need to stand, does need to build this. He's got experience in doing it. Agreed. I genuinely, I genuinely think with his own players, be it in Championship or League One, I think he can do some really good stuff. He can do some really good stuff there. And I think one of the things it's very important to do at the moment, despite everything else is going on, is try and make sequences feel like he can rebuild something here because it would be a real shame at the end of it. Genuinely, I think we've got a good near despite the results. And we have to make sure that come what may, he's going to be the person doing the rebuilding like he's done in the past in Norway where he's done a good job with it. The trouble is, I looked at his interview after the game on Sunday and he didn't look the best pleased. He also, the, the, the question about you'll have to ask a board about players is quite telling, obviously, as well. Maybe he wasn't expecting that to be an issue. But I totally agree. He he looks like a good 
appointment and he, he needs to freaking listen we need to show fear for someone but while i'm talking to you this is this is you're like this i don't know if you've got your phone on now they've obviously the 0304 season anniversary is coming up so just in my phone now it's obviously clock Carlisle's talking about 0304 and you're thinking only qpr in the middle of a relegation well in a terrible relegation struggle but we're now going to go Guess what happened 20 years ago? We got out of Division 2. <laughs> Guess what we're going into the season, lads? Um, and it's something like you both have travelled with me and Cindy, and Cindy is never... Well, she's a rare sunshine you don't want on the Titanic, isn't she? She's just a realist. And she's like, well, 10 years ago, it was Zamora. 20 years ago, we got promotion from this league. And look at us now. And it's almost like it's... I don't know. It's just so hard, isn't it? We've got... 10 years promotion to celebrate. We've got the 20 years promotion to celebrate. And here we are talking about, again, QPR in transition, a new CEO, new blood. Lee Hughes is more or less said, look, listen, I, I've, I've been a terrible... He actually said that, but he goes, I haven't been the best father. You know, I need to be doing this, to spend time. My mother's not well. You know, I, I, you know, I think his mother was a bit like my mum before. She, she, you know, that it's just... I get that. We're all family people. We understand that. And you think with Sofentis, it's like, well, he's looking a bit grey. At least for the new fellow, it'll take a while for him to go grey. <laughs> I mean, it was quite funny. I once said to me on Saturday, I said, oh, so I said, what's the new CEO look like? I goes, see that bloke reading the Beano about three, <laughs> the kid? <laughs> and they're like, yeah, that's him. Come on, Christian, sit amongst the fans. You'll get away with it. Um, but all, I don't, I'm not so bothered about the age I'm not so bothered about the experience I'm not so bothered we hasn't done this job before because we've had plenty of people who have come in and done a job before who have been absolutely terrible what concerns me is this whole thing of the communication with the club and this is what this person's doing this is what that person and it seems like before this is kicked in we're treading water and we're not just treading water we're, we're flooded the engine's flooded and we've decided we're changing the captain for whatever reason. And that's all well and good. But I think his interview was maybe a bit too realistic, too much realism in it. And when you tell QPR fans you're not signing a striker, you might as well go out and tell them some home truths about Christmas to young people because it's just, it does not go down well. And that's what made me laugh, Neil. I'm looking now, Neil, what, what did I change your name to Neil for? You're not Neil. No, never will be. <laughs> I apologise. Right. Not right, George. Um, <laughs> that was a joke to you, Simon. I think I think I've done. I think QPR is depressing. My mind is doing walkies now. Now, in all honesty, in all truth, in all reality, tell me the truth. Can we get out of this shit? Starting with Saturday's game at Millwall, which is my nice way of segueing into a preview of Saturday's game. <sighs> Okay, so long as we don't play like we did on Boxing Day, I think we have half a chance of actually getting some sort of result against Millwall. Um, if we play, if we play like we did against Watford, we should get a result against Millwall. If we play like we did against Bournemouth, we should get a result against Millwall. If we play like we did against Ipswich, we should get a result against Millwall. But will we? No. That's the question, isn't it? You know, we always, it's been said before, and it's something that I talk about um, with my mates down the pub, is that we just always seem to be a little bit shitter. And we always seem to play down or up to whoever we're playing. And it's, 
it's it, it's just a really strange phenomenon and it's getting quite annoying but I think yeah we can beat Millwall we should beat Millwall we should expect to beat Millwall but I don't think we will hmm well when I said honest you that bloody honest carry on Simon <laughs> To, to be fair, Noel echoes everything that I think of it, and mm. yeah, there's so many, there's so many times, and I said to you after Ipswich, didn't I, mate? When when we went afterwards, and we all went afterwards, I've got absolutely no faith we're going to follow this up against Cardiff, and lo and behold, we turned, yeah, that turned out to be true. I think we've been, to be honest, and again, it goes back to a theme I've said quite a bit during this one is, I think we've been bitten a bit too much where. Yeah, okay. we look at ground. We look at grounds for optimism, and then lo and behold, something something doesn't happen. And look, you're absolutely right. If we if we play like we know we can, we beat Millwall. We beat Huddersfield. Carry on the way Blackburn and Cratering. Who knows? We might get something up in Blackburn. But mentality wise, if some sort of adversity, if some sort of physicality comes in, we we struggle to. Right. Yeah, we struggle to um we struggle to cope with it. And yeah, Millwall's gonna be another one of those games because I think they pretty much know they, they get a result against us. That's that's Millwall quite a significant way away from that from that bottom three. And actually, unfortunately mm, they've I know they lost at home to Middlesbrough, but they've had a bit of an upturn in form since the Boxing Day game as well. So yeah, it's yeah. Can we win it? Yes. Will we win it? I'm I'm really not sure. You've just you've worried me now, Simon. Not for the first time. Sorry, um, not a bad way. Hey, you're right. But you're right. Sorry. I forgot about that. We will win this. And every team we're playing, nigh on in, is playing for something as well. And that's a real worry. Um let me take something out of it. I, I kind of think sorry, um listeners, that's Hugo. He's decided to wake up and go absolutely mad. Um but I'm just wondering if we don't win Saturday and we don't beat Huddersfield, we can more or less say that we're just not going to do it, can't we? Or am I? And I don't want to be negative because I want to think, can we do what we did last year? I don't know, but I would think if we're going into this after four home games and the results are not good to say the least, and then we're losing us two, we're not going to stay up, are we? No, and we said that we said this January was going to be January was going to be a pivotal month for four winnable home games. And if you're not winning those four winnable home games with what we know is going to happen with the fact we're not going to get anyone extra coming in, yeah, I think it's going to be very, very, very difficult for us to for us to stay up. I still think it's going to be difficult for us to stay up even if we get some results. But you think so? I think, yeah, I do. Because, again, we don't know from one step to the next. You've already mentioned about the fitness. You, we already know that we can't, we can't get our best eleven fit for for a certain period of time, and we always have that sort of lingering threat of <clears throat> yeah, that squad depth, which which we know has hurt us so much. And yes, they know they can do it. Yes, they got those three wins in late November, December time. But let's look at what we've done now, and we're not one in about seven games. We got two points out of the last twenty one. And we played quite a lot of the teams at the bottom. So, yeah, I think even even with that, there's always a bad run round the corner with this lot at the moment. And 
I think that what makes it really difficult for us to to survive. We're slap bang in the middle of a bad run, aren't we? Basically, but I mean, the key to survival is going to be consistency, isn't it? It's going to be draws and wins. It's going to be stopping stopping the losses, stopping the stupid goals, and actually scoring the easy chances. And it's whether we can actually turn that around and do that. And I mean, you know, it's not the championship isn't. You know, it's competitive, it's hard, a lot of games. But ultimately, if you're consistent, if you can string together four or five wins out of seven or eight games, you can actually move quite a distance in the table. And you can actually, you know, we are a bit cut adrift from the middle of the table at the moment. But I think, you know, if we were able to put together a bit of consistency to have a good run, then, you know, in no time we'd be you know, 19th, 18th, 17th, and kind of thinking, what were we worried about? But, but it's different now that scores. I was talking to a mate of mine the other day, who's, sorry, stupid dog, he's trying to play with me. Um, the, the, you look at our goal score, which goes back to, I know, I know Clive hates us, we've got strikers, 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 but it's dire, isn't it? I mean, you know, you look at Millwall and you think they've got Bradshaw, you look at Watford, well, we didn't expect Liverpool to bang into, but just this bit like when the, the guy got a hat trick and we never scored before until he played against us. And that's what's killing us, isn't it? We just can't get anyone scoring goals any kind of in any kind of way. We've got the second lowest goals for in the league. Weirdly, we we've got twenty two and Sheffield Wednesday have twenty one. We've got twenty one points and they've got twenty two points. So maybe the more mm. points Sheffield Wednesday get, the more goals we get. <laughs> that is possibly a very strange philosophy. And I'm not sure we can I mean, listen, for our dear listeners and our own sanity, what would save us? I mean, that's what I was thinking last night when I couldn't sleep. I was thinking, what what do we need to do apart from giving away stupid goals and free kicks and learning to take corners and taking our chances and not getting beat in the far post from 30 yards? Apart from that, what do we need to stop doing? Well, you've, just, you've just summed it up. There's there, there's a lot of stuff that we've got to do. We've got to take chances. We've got to mm. take chances um, like we didn't do. We've got to create chances, which in the game games before we didn't do. We've got to stop conceding from set pieces, which we were doing regularly and then didn't do it against Watford. We've got to stop conceding goals from open play, which we were doing, and we were doing it against Watford. It's basically... It's it's almost like playing a football in whack a mole at the moment, where you think you've solved you think you've solved one problem, and then other problems come up as well. And I think again, what what I go back to when we think about all oh, we need about eight or nine wins to stay up, we won about nine games out of sixty, and yeah. it's going to be it's going to be one hell of a turnaround in form to then go from that to thinking that we're or hoping that we're going to win about eight or nine games in in say nineteen. And I think the problem that Sequentes has got is he is doing things to try and deal with issues. So, like for example, last two games, he's got Armstrong and Dykes. He's got Armstrong and Dykes scoring. They both, they, Dykes has got two in two games. But then you've obviously got the problem with how to deal with set pieces. There's there's just so much going on at the moment, which makes it very very difficult. Yes, he's. On the whole, Sequences has helped us out in open play defensively. 
up until Sunday, we were pretty good at defending an open play, and then something else comes up. It just all, it mm. just seems to be a situation where it's just an incessant problem to solve, and when you solve one, something else comes up afterwards, and that's what's making it very very difficult. There is also something to be said though for the fact that it could just all of a sudden click into place. They are we are talking about a group of people who were very very low on confidence and who basically play their good best football when they're confident um i think uh jimmy dunn on sunday started off incredibly nervously and kind of looked like it was going to be one of those days but actually really kind of did a couple of things got a bit of confidence and actually really really improved throughout the game and that's true. I think most of them are like that, is that they are real confidence players. And I think that there is an element to them having belief in what Sifuentes is telling them that that is right, that it's going to work, that they're going to get there, that they can do it. So I do think there is an element of, you know, it could change really quickly. It could suddenly click. I don't believe it will, but I think that... <laughs> but I do think that, like, you know... There, it seems to me that that's the sort of players we have. We, you know, they lost, they lost form basically off the back of a loss of confidence. We we started cratering with that. Um, what was it? It was the end of January, beginning of February of Warburton's last season, where basically we had a, quite a few injuries, and the people that were playing weren't maybe had the confidence in the other players they were playing with. And it kind of went down from there, and they never really got that confidence back till Mick Beale turned up with his PowerPoint presentations, told them everything was wonderful. They all believed him, and then, you know, and then again straight away confidence went, and suddenly we're losing five, six games on the trot. It's interesting because you say that, and I, I agree about it to be done, and I just think it's always oh, we could just get some confidence. And I'm I'm now my theory is Simon and. We'll go to our R's end at the end of this. Um, I'm not sure we'll do predictions because I'm sick of them, but we'll try, I suppose. Um, you just feel... I came out thinking, pull your finger out, suck yourselves out, give it a final hurrah, what could possibly go wrong, just do your best. And, but I'm also kind of looking at players and thinking, just play your best players. If Cook's fit, play him. Ignore sports science. We'll worry about it next year. Just get your best eleven out with the experience, with all the help we need. And just and I think that we talk about Sinclair, and I think the biggest thing that lets Sinclair down, sadly, is someone to play alongside him, to bring him on in his game and to talk to him and bring him on and coach him. And, you know, which is funny enough what Austin did with Dykes. We actually look back at it then as well. And and maybe Dykes is doing that. We're not seeing it. I don't know. But it just seems he just seems to think I'm picking this ball up. I'm going to run like a flipping steam train and do the best I can. And the poor sword's getting help off the um, Watford players before a physio gets on the pitch. It's, it's just, I don't know. It, that I find that quite a sad image, actually. He'd run himself into the ground and the cramp was so bad and stuff, but hey, who knows? The only way I think we can get out of this shade is if we, I don't know, it's going to take a miracle, I think. And I hate saying that, but it has to start Saturday and we have to keep on winning and we have to do something we haven't done this season, which is win more or less every home game to the end of the season to, to have a chance. So we'll see. Been quite a depressing podcast, hasn't it, lads? Um, 
if I had to be for Hugo dropping his ball at my feet and fill for him every five seconds and barking, I'd I'd be I I don't know what I'd do. Um but yeah, yeah. Anyway, ours it, ends. Does, it does become a bit too cynical about the whole thing, I think. I think you can see you can see positive things, but it's just so hard to even get behind defeat fatigue, positive. mate. Defeat fatigue. Yeah. You know, it's 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 a hard one. We like listen. Simon and me and the rest of us, yourself included, we'll go no matter what league we're in. We'll go to Blackburn. We'll do things that we can do because we're lucky to do them, not because we're better than anyone else. We're lucky to do them. Um, and we'll always love this club, but I just worry that, you know, how much can a fan base take? And um, relegation battle after relegation. Then if we do get relegated, it, it's going to take us toll. Um, anyone know Battersea's number? Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, and it's it, it and it is taking so look at, I mean, crumbs. I mean, you think if you're a ten year old now, you've just known this as a QPR fan, haven't you? And you know, like you're wee man, Simon. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's, another way you can get them interested is just to have a great time, they enjoy themselves as best you can. But it's a it's a hard selling point at the moment, and 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 that saddens me. Right, my hours end is pretty simple. Um, oh no, predictions, predictions, Paul. Keep to the script. I don't make a script. To Simon, do you reckon anyone knows we don't do a script? No, no one will know. Do you reckon we'll be all right, mate? Yeah, I'll think you're fine. Excellent. Thank you, mate. Um, yeah, I'm not doing one. Simon? Um, if we play... Right, I, I, I'm going to make two. If we um, if we play like we did on Sunday, with the proviso of finishing, um, we win the game 2-0. If we play like normally we do... After a decent performance, I can see us losing the game two one. Ah, are they getting both tiers to be done? Yes. So it's going to be a packed away end as well. Yes. Okay, okay. And why no? wouldn't it be? Sorry. <laughs> and why wouldn't it be? As I say, when you lose twenty one of your last thirty games at Loftus Road, I mean, it's almost a, it's almost a perfect away day. Yeah, you see that with Watford fans on Sunday actually. No. Yeah, no, I'm absolutely sick of, I mean, I stand in the loft end and I'm absolutely sick of watching everyone in the away and having a good day out. Um, I'm going to go with my heart and I'm going to say 1-0 and I'm going to say earliest chair. Hmm. I good think... that, you, you Iraqis people and your build bets, build bet, is it build bet, <laughs> bet builder? I don't know, whatever. Um, and and fight now afterwards. I'll I'll take that now. Actually, I'll take anything that's not in, involved in the defeat. If I, I, I see, I want to do that. I want to, and I'm sick of it because people say, "Oh, you know what? You you called that right." Let's face it. We do about 42 predictions this season. We get one right a season because, and yet a, a broken clock is right twice. So our stats <laughs> are pretty poor. Um, I'm, we need to win. We have to win. I'd love a two-nil win. I'd love a one-nil win. Whatever. We have to win. And it's as simple as that. We lose on Saturday, and even if we beat Huddersfield, it's just the vibe's going to be terrible. So let's just hope we can win. I'm going to do my R's end first. Um, and it's it's a tricky one because I've been reading about young Patrick from the show with Bush uh, missing, and you know, last seen in Liverpool, maybe going to Leeds. I think that was the place he's going to. Um, it's horrible because you want to say I I haven't seen Twitter today. I don't know if there's any new developments, but if anyone knows if Pat Reese listened to this or anyone 
Fun home, mate. Just fun home. Dave will know you're all right. And um, get yourself home safe. Simon. I have to say, mate, that's going to make it a tricky one to follow up with because, yeah, it's a perfectly valid thing because I was going to mention Keith Stroud. And I was going to mention that Keith Stroud managed to um, make 600, 600 games as an EFL referee. Yeah. And Seen that? 600 games, 20 years we've had him ruining, ruining football matches. And talking of other referees and what was also lovely to see, on a more happy note, the man who refereed the Oldham semi-final the Sheffield Wednesday promotion game, the Wigan playoff semi getting us to, to Wembley. What a lovely sight it was to see officiating gladiators on Saturday night. <laughs> uh, I thought he was abroad. He was he he was in Saudi Arabia, but I think he's went the same way as Jordan Henderson is about to go. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> Yes. Okay. Fair enough. Do you know, Simon, how do you remember these things of the referee games he's done? That, that, that's brilliant, by the way. On, on, um, on the ground, on the grounds that they are probably three of the happiest moments we've had of supporting QPR in the last 20 years. So they do tend to stand out like a sore thumb. Yeah, but I never remember referees. I, I all remember the bad ones. I remember Stroud, um, Chief Hackett. Andy Hall. <laughs> Which ones? Rob Styles. Rob Who's that other one, that, the young one that really hits us? Not narrowing it down, are you? You're talking about Gavin Ward? Yes. Yes. He look, to me, he looks young. He's probably 50. But um, he really hits us. I mean, I, I, he doesn't even like giving us goal kicks. You can just see him just pointing at it, going, I wish I didn't have to do this, you bastard, but it's a goal kick. Um, yeah. By the way, QPR... Stop fucking around with the ball on the area. It's stupid. No. Miles and well, I kind of I've kind of been flicking between a couple. I kind of think basically one thing that's been pissing me off a bit is just the overreaction to the most ignorant, twattish things that people come out with as far as rumors go with FFP, with <laughs> points deductions and things like that and just the rampant overreaction to that and I just want everyone to take a deep breath speak to people who know what they're talking about and just ignore these people who are just trying to get some attention because it, it just seems to drive everyone wild if we're going to get a points deduction we'll find out about it months and months and months before it happens it won't just be something that happens the next day. We'll see it coming. It will be obvious. And and kind of almost leading on from that, this idea that going down to League One would be really good because we can spend as much money as we want and rebuild. You know, you're talking about, although it's, it's a lot less stringent in League One, there isn't this, you have to, you know, you can only make so much loss over three years or... You know, you have to kind of stick to these spending limits. There is still limits. We can spend 75% of our turnover on wages. In none of the last three years, we spent less than 100% of our turnover on wages. It's not a panacea. It's not going to And uh, almost leading on from that, look at Reading. You know, look at, you know, 
percent of their weight of their uh turnover on, on wages for three or four years running you you see it coming it becomes obvious if things are going down the pan and i think we need to stop worrying about that we have like the owners who are going to spend the money and do what they need to do within the limits that they can um and i think we should be grateful for that we don't have these people who are just going to kind of run away one day and never pay a single bill ever again and leave us struggling in the mire for years and years after i think we're reasonably fortunate in the position we are in financially i think they've made mistakes i think they're trying to rectify them and do better but I think we just need to kind of take a deep breath when it comes to this utter crap that gets spread around. Do better. I've got, I've got <laughs> to be honest with you now. I read that and I contacted you because you're the first person I thought of. Um, because I'm an idiot. And I thought, I'll, 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 I was going to text you, Simon, but you, I know you'd be busy at work, mate, so you'd be <laughs> teached at that point, so I didn't contact you. And it's almost like, as I said to you, it's almost like someone's woke up and said, "You got, we haven't got enough to worry about. We haven't got enough stress levels. Let's worry about this. And I was like, what the... F so in three quick bullet points, why should QPR fans not worry about a point deduction, FFP, and a transfer embargo this next few months? Well, I think, you know, we're... So the, the FFP is over a three-year rolling cycle. This year is the third year of what is a very tight period because the first year we lost 24 million so we can lose 39 million over the three years we'll find out at the end of february what we lost in the second year of that three years as will the efl on the first of march find out what we lost in that period so you know it's a long way off before we're getting to that stage where the efl are kind of looking at you know, or even we're in danger of going over that limit. It will be kind of, you know, from May, June, July onwards, 2025, when we'll be in a position where they'll be looking at the three years that look like they're going to be really painful. Well, they are really painful because this is the final year of that. Then that 24.7 million deficit rolls out. Whatever deficit we're going to find out in February becomes the first of the three years, things get a bit easier again. It's kind of, you know, it all rolls through. It's like the, the year when we sold Eze and we only lost 4 million and it was great. We got to spend all that money and lose 25 million the next year. But I think, you know, there's no point being worried about it for at least another 18 months. And even then, you know, we'll know. It will be obvious. There'll be people that will have a heads up on it. There'll be you know, the information will be out there for all to see. Right. So that's your hope now. You're not too good in staying up, but you know about FFP. Well, that's that's something, I suppose. And we'll take that. Why people start rumours of these things, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm like you, Simon. We talk a lot about things. I have no idea what goes on at QPR. And if I did, I'd probably scare the bejesus out of me. I'd also <laughs> want to forget, because... Your brain takes care of bad news, doesn't it? And when it's like you know, when something bad happens, your brain kind of wipes things out. Hopefully, we'll do it with this season, fair enough. Um, so yes, Simon, before I wrap it on to a point of where I'm not making any sense whatsoever, have you anything else to say? 
I think we're all done, mate. I think just hopefully let's um yeah, let's hope that we actually carry on the positives out of the what the performance and you do turn them into results and they prove all of my negativity and pessimism for the last hour completely wrong. <laughs> well, anything else to say? No, 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 just back exactly what Simon says. We're just right. optimistic, cynical old fools. At least you two have got her. Yeah, I'm not saying. Yeah. Jesus, all right. Right. Well, listen, guys, thank you so, so much for listening to the podcast. I hope it's been a wee dose of realism. Yeah, that's all I can say, really. It's a bit depressed otherwise. But then, so is this season. And um, Relegation League One is not rebuilding. It's an absolute disaster in my book. And nobody should, should hopefully. Have to endure as many relegations as we have over the years. Um, it's just wrong. Don't want any more relegations. Didn't like it. I was at Huddersfield when we went down the first that time. It was horrible, bloody horrible. The only good thing about it, they took the piss and went down a week later, which is handy. Um, but yes, it's it's horrible. And this week's podcast is dedicated to Patrick. Spawn home, Patrick. Get yourself safe. If you can't speak to anyone at home, speak to someone. There's people out there that can help you. Get home safe. Thank you for listening to Open Your Laws and speak to you again next week, guys. And let's hope it's after a win. Bye.